are so glad that you're joining us, wherever you're joining us from. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving day. Maybe you're still eating leftovers. I don't know. We're done with leftovers. But uh, anyway, also, listen, today is going to be, I believe, a life-changing day, depending on how you process and implement this message. On the back end, we're going to also share communion together. How fitting for a Thanksgiving weekend, so don't tune out too early because you'll definitely want to be a part of that. Let me ask you this. I wonder if you would agree with this, that we're living in a season that's very, very complicated. There's probably more tension going on around us in our society for all the different factors involved than we've ever, many of us, have ever been a part of for our entire lives. Would you agree with that? It's a very complicated time. What I want us to do today is take a step back and I want to let God's word reset, if you would, our hearts and prepare us to be faithful, to prepare us to be his ambassadors moving forward because he's in charge. Even though we don't know what the future holds, we know who holds the future. So today I'm gonna start with reading from 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, and let this speak to your heart. And I believe this truly may be the most important message we've done all year. Peter said this in verse 6. He said, humble yourselves. Boy, that's a great place to start, isn't it? We've just got to humble ourselves, recognize, listen, we're not God and he is. That I don't know it all, but he knows it all. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand. Listen, I wonder who else is thankful for a God who is sovereign, who's loving who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, who's hands-on in our lives. So we humble ourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift us up in due time. I want to focus on that little phrase, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Matter of fact, would you just type that in the chat right now? Those of you that have access to typing under God, would you just type it in there? I'm under God. I'm under God. I'm under God. That's a good place to be. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up. I want to talk to you today about how, about being under God. How do we do that? How do we follow Christ? How do we be an ambassador for Christ? How do we live as followers of Christ in a culture that's becoming more and more hostile towards God and the things of God? How do we do it? How as disciples do we faithfully serve him? Do we faithfully live that we faithfully love in an environment and in a culture that is becoming more and more hostile towards that God that you and I worship. How do we do that? We're going to explore that together today. I want to talk about how we do that. But before we do that, how we live under God, right? How do we do that? I first want to try to identify where you're at. I want you to identify where you're at, right? This is just for you. Nobody else to decide for you. You just kind of get to self-evaluate, and I pray that you will. In fact, um, on the screen behind me, and if you downloaded your notes, you're going to see a scale from 1 to 10, um, a scale that you can kind of rate yourself. What influences you the most? Who are, what are you under? Is it more cultural? That's at the end of the scale of one. Or are you totally under God? That would be a 10. What's influencing you most in your life? What is influencing you 
the most. Your daily decisions, your words, your actions, your emotions, your attitude, every single day, what is the influence in your life? Are you being influenced more by culture? Are you influenced more by this God that we want to live under his mighty hand? Listen, let me just tell you, if you say, I don't even believe in God, then obviously you'd be a one. You'd be influenced most by culture and what's going on in culture and what culture has to say and what culture is teaching and believing and all that. That'd be you. If you say, no, 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 I'm way over here. Like I'm, I'm truly under God. Like it, it dictates everything I do. Listen, can I just tell you nobody's a 10? Don't give yourself a 10. Jesus is a 10. You, you might be way over there. You might be an eight or nine, but you're just not a 10. Where are you? What's influencing you the most? And before you pick your number, let me give you a couple of things to think about. Some categories, if you will, that might help you assess where you're at. Let's talk about entertainment. What is it that you watch for entertainment? What is it that you listen to for entertainment? What, what are the things that you are attracted to when it's in entertainment? What kind of movies do you watch? What do you watch on Netflix? What kind of music, when you listen to music, do you listen to? Is it pleasing to God? Is it influenced by God? Is it building others up? Is it godly-centered? Or is it more culturally-centered? If to you, if you're watching a movie, does it, does it matter what's really the content or are you just kind of the person that says, no, if it's funny, I'm there. I don't care if it's, you know, if it's abusive to God or the language is this or that or whatever. Where, where are you at with that? Does it honor God or does it really honor more of culture? What's going on? Let's talk about another category. Let's talk about money. When you get paid every week or every two weeks, however you get paid, when you get paid, what influences you the most about what you do with your money? Would you say, no, listen, I, I'm totally focused there. I realize everything I have comes from God, that he's the giver of all good things. And so when I get a gift from God, when I get paid weekly, bi-weekly or whatever, the first thing that I want to do is honor God through worship of the tithe. I give back to God first because I recognize everything I have comes from him. I want to be a good steward. I want to make a difference in this world. I realize I only have a short time here and I want to invest it into things that will last, which is God and people. Or are you more influenced by culture? You just kind of look at it and say, hey, I'm the one that goes to work. I'm a self-made person. I'm in charge of what I get here. And I just kind of do my thing. I, I, I always want more stuff. I want to do this at the house. We want to travel. We want to do all this stuff. Would you, are you more driven and influenced by culture? when it comes to your money. Culture drives your spending, maybe. You say, gee whiz, you know what? Man, I, I spend more than I make or I'm spending all there, you know? I, I got that ad for, you know, Black Friday and we want that and want that and I'm chasing stuff because if I just had that, I'd feel better, you know, my life would be better and I just want to do that. Where are you at on that perspective of culture influencing you when it comes to your money or God influencing you? the most. Let me talk about another category. How about the words that you speak? If you look at like a given week, maybe this week, maybe that's a good week, maybe it's a bad week because maybe you had family around or whatever, but are the words that you speak day in and day out, are they words that are more influenced by God? In other words, are they life-giving? 
Are the majority of your words pleasing to God because you're building people up? You're looking for the good in people. You want people to feel better about who they are. You want to talk about the positive things of God and you're building people up. Are your words more influenced by God or are your words more influenced by culture? Like you just, you get so angry. Like you spend more time on social media. You just, you just, it just fuels your fire. And you, you get so angry at people and the words that they're spewing out that you spew them back and it just drives you. When it comes to your words, are you more influenced by culture? You're more influenced by God. And let me just share one more category before you rate yourself on that scale, if you will. What about your self-worth. What about your self-worth? Are you more influenced by culture and what people think of you, what people say about you, what people say about how you dress or how you do your hair or where you live or what you drive? Are you more influenced even by what you think of you or are you more influenced by what God thinks of you? You read his word and you say, wow, you know, I realize who I am in Christ. God says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God says he didn't make any junk. He didn't make any mistakes. God says he loves me on my best day as much as he does on my worst day. It's not about where I live or what I drive or how my hair is or if it's a good hair day or a bad hair day. Are you more influenced by what culture says about you? Are you more in tune with what God says about you? You know what, here's what's really, really sad to me. Here's what's really sad. Many of us have no idea what's influencing us the most. Many of you have not even thought about that maybe for a long, long time, maybe never. We haven't even really thought about, wow, am I being influenced more by culture or more by God? But we're being influenced. Trust me, you're being influenced. You're under the influence of one or the other or a combination of that, right? Let me ask you this question. How many of you, I wish you could raise your hand. You can at home. I mean, that's, that's fine. How many of you have ever been around a drunk person? You've been around a drunk person. You can type in chat, I have, right? Now notice, notice what I did for you there. I didn't ask you, have you ever been drunk? I just asked you, have you ever been around a drunk person? And go ahead and type it in, I have. Now, here's what's interesting to me. If you've ever been around a drunk person who's under the influence of alcohol, that's what a drunk person is, right? Have you noticed that a drunk person doesn't always recognize that they're drunk? Yeah, they don't. They'll say things like, I'm not a drunk. What are you talking about? Right? You've been around those people. They don't know they're under the influence, but they're under the influence of alcohol. Sometimes they don't even see it in themselves, but you can see it there, right? If you agree, just type in, I agree. Alcohol, obviously, it also influences how you speak. Would you agree with that? What you, the words that you say, alcohol will influence what you say. It, it certainly impacts that. It, it also, let me, can, can I just be honest? Alcohol influences who you think is attractive. The more drinks you have, the more attractive people seem to be to you, right? There's an old song, the girls all get prettier at closing time. Listen, I'm not promoting that song. I'm just telling you. I know you're laughing, right? Why are you laughing? Because you've seen that. 
You've seen that. Maybe you've seen it in others. Maybe you've seen it in yourself. I don't know. Matter of fact, listen, I've seen grown men, right, back in my day, uh, people I all met for the first time, and you have enough drinks, and all it changes who you love. All of a sudden, grown, big, meaty men will go up to each other and say, I love you, man. You're my best friend, right? Again, if you're laughing, it's because you've been around that at some level. But here's what we know about being under the influence of alcohol. It lowers your guard. It causes you to do things that you, in a sober state, wouldn't do. It alters your thinking. What we're influenced by impacts us. That's what I'm saying. What if, what if we've been so intoxicated by our culture that we're not even aware that we're under its influence? What if that's true? What if we've been so busy just doing life that we've not even slowed down enough to see how we're being influenced and we don't even realize how far we've drifted from God's influence in our lives. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Well, how do we do that? How do we do it in this very complicated season of life? How do we live under God in a culture that is very, very hostile towards God and the things of God? I want to show you a very powerful story in the Old Testament. Um, It's very powerful to me. I'll give you the context. We're going to be looking at several verses in the book of Daniel chapter 1, and we're going to zero in on one particular verse that's going to be kind of our application verse for the day that's going to pull all of this together. If you don't know about Daniel from the Old Testament, he was... He was a great man of God. He was a worshiper, right, of the one true God. But tragically, King Nebuchadnezzar, who was a very evil king, who was in charge at the time, came in with the Babylonians with a plan to completely destroy Daniel's homeland, and to, which was Jerusalem, right? And the evil Babylonians came in, they burned down the city, they, or they burned down the, the temple, they completely wrecked the city, And what they decided to do was to kidnap, or if you will, or take hostage some of the brightest of the bright among those people. They were going to take them in, including Daniel, and kind of put them to work, if you will, for the Babylonian government. And so they took these prisoners in. They began to change everything about them that they possibly could to try to bring them under the influence of the Babylonian culture and ways. And you can read that in Daniel chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 3. Then the king ordered Asvenaz, the chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men, get this, without any physical defect, men that were handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. And get what he was wanting to do. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians, and the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. So they weren't even going to eat their normal food, right? The food that was dedicated, right? That was clean and good that they were used to eating. But they wanted them to eat the king's food that was set aside for pagan gods. And get this, it goes on to say they were to be trained for three years. 
And after that, they would be put into the king's service. So that's the king's plan. We're going to take these bright, bright young men, these handsome men without blemish, and what we're going to do is, over time, we're going to teach them our language. We're going to change their education. We're going to indoctrinate them with the Babylonian views. We're going to get them to be under our culture. We're going to take them out of their culture and their beliefs, and we're going to slowly, over three years, convert them to our way of doing life. They even changed their names. They were all given names from the one true God, but these men were now given new names that represented pagan gods. And they even changed their diet, right? We just talked about that with the food. And without even knowing it, here was their plan, without them even knowing it, the goal was to bring these people under the influence of the Babylonian culture to take them away from being influenced by the one true God and to bring them all the way over to the other side and be under this Babylonian culture and ways. And the king thought this, if I can change the way that these young men think, then we can change what they believe. And if we change what they think and what they believe, eventually we can change their behavior, what they do. That was his plan. Now, here's what I want you and I to understand. We have a spiritual enemy. The spiritual enemy, Satan, he is against everything that God is for. If you want to follow Christ and be under his influence, the devil wants to move you closer to being influenced by the culture. And he'll whisper to you, he'll shout at you every day. You know why? He's going to try to bring us under the culture of our surroundings. Because if he can change what we believe, he can change eventually what we think, and eventually it'll change how we live, how we behave. And every single day, the enemy is lying to us, and he's loving us into and luring us into spiritual complacency to move us away from being influenced by God and moving us closer to being influenced by culture. Now, You might say, well, gee whiz, well, I believe in God. I'm not a Buddhist. You know, I'm not some pagan. I go to church every now and then. I even, we even prayed for our Thanksgiving meal. But you wake up on a day like this and you hear what I've shared with you in all of the different areas of your life and you might say, holy cow, I'm being way more inter- influenced by culture than I am by God. How did that happen? It happened over time. It's a slow drift, and many of us are not even aware. Listen, we have to recognize and embrace and believe that we cannot halfway follow Jesus. We're in a culture and in a time, in a season that's unprecedented. Aren't you tired of hearing that word, by the way? But we really are in a strategic time of, of time of life in history where I believe God wants to use his followers to make a difference like we've never been able to make before. But we'll never do it following culture. We've got to do it to be influenced by God. We're not going to stumble into righteousness. You're not going to stumble into more and more influenced by God. You're not going to wake up one more one day and just say, holy cow, I don't even know how I got here, but I'm more in love with God. I'm more in tune with his word. I know more about the Bible than I've ever known before, and I don't even know how it happened. That will never, ever happen. You never stumble into righteousness. You never halfway follow Jesus and get to the place where you want to go. It doesn't work that way. And here's what's funny to me. We, we Deep down, we know that. 
This isn't anything new. I mean, let's just look at real life stuff. Take your body, for instance. If you say, man, I want to look better than I've looked in years and years and years. And I say, what's your plan? And you say, let me tell you my plan. You see, I'm so committed to getting the body like I used to have that I, I'm committed to go to the gym one day a month. Now you're laughing, right? Because you're like, well, duh, that isn't going to work. No, it's going to be one heck of a workout that one day, right? It's not going to work. You say, what about your diet? Uh, yeah, I need, you know, especially after Thanksgiving, you know, I, I really need to be more conscious of my diet. Some people that are, go on diets or really watch their eating, I hear people will say, I give myself one cheat day a week or one cheat meal a week, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. But what if, you, if I said, what's your plan for your diet? And you're like, you know what? One day a week, I'm going to eat one good healthy meal. That's my plan. That's going to be my new diet. Like six days a week, I'm going to do whatever I want. But one day, I'm going to be disciplined. I'm going to have a meal, or I'm going to take a whole day and eat healthy. You're like, well, good luck, right? Same with relationships. I hear people all the time, boy, I want a stronger marriage. I want a better marriage. I say, what's your plan? Well, I don't know. We really don't have a plan. Listen, what if my plan was, you know what? I really want my wife to feel more loved and appreciated and valued. I want her to know that in my world, there's no, nobody else. And I say, you know what? I'm so committed to doing that. I'm going to treat my wife really, really nice one day a week. Like, I'm just going to say nice things to her one day every week. How's that? And you're kind of like, duh, I don't think that's going to work. But yet, when you look at spiritual things, I hear people say all the time, like, you know what? Yeah, I really want to be involved in the things of God. Well, are you serving? No. Or do you come to, well, you know, a couple times a month I go to church or tune in to church online now, right? It's so easy to drift, folks. Matter of fact, I read a statistic this week that was pretty bothersome, quite honestly. Did you, 20% of followers of Christ, 20%, two out of every 10, say during this whole pandemic, they've not attended church in person, nor have they tuned in to any church worship service online in this entire nine months. That's scary to me, folks. That is scary to me. That is sad to me. We are missing out on a great opportunity to be the church. But you know what culture will drift us to do? To be more self-absorbed, to be more self-focused. That's what the culture does. Were you influenced more by culture? or by God. Now, let me ask, how did God, how did Daniel stay faithful to God? This is so key to me. With everything in the Babylonian culture, with the king's plan to drift them over to their culture, how did Daniel stay influenced by God? There's one little verse that's the key that is so powerful, and this is the verse for which we're going to apply to our lives. They said, Daniel, listen, verse 8, Daniel, eat this food. Here's what they told him. Eat this food that's set aside for the pagan gods. This is the king's food. But look at David's response, verse 8. But Daniel resolved. But Daniel resolved. Would you type that in chat? Put, I'm resolved. I'm resolved. Daniel made a predetermined decision. He decided before it came up, he predecided that in that moment when this was put in front of him or whatever the deal was, he predecided that 
Here's what he said. I'm not going to defile myself with the royal food and wine. He had pre-decided. I'm committed to God. I'm influenced by God. They might change my name. They might try to change my diet, but I'm not going to defile myself with that food. I am pre-deciding. I'm still committed to doing things God's way. I am under God, David's, Daniel said. Now, here's what's interesting to me and fascinating. Daniel didn't really fight when they changed his name. He knew that was just an outward label and Daniel was very secure with who he was and who God made him to be. But when someone attacked the name of God, Daniel said, no one defames God's name. I've predetermined, I've predecided that that's not gonna happen and I'm not gonna defile myself with food that was devoted to these pagan gods. I'm not going there. How do we live under God, under God's mighty hand in a culture that's increasingly hostile towards God. How do we do it? We have to make some predetermined decisions in our own lives. We've got to predecide where the line is that I'm not willing to cross because I'm going to be under God's mighty hand. I'm going to live with his influence and not the world's influence. So I'm going to make some predecided choices, draw some predecided lines in the sand, if you will. Now listen, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm not going to give you or ask you to make a list of 10 things or seven things or five things or even three things. I want to get you to start with one thing. One decision that you can pre-decide today as you look at what's the most important decision that you could make right now to change the trajectory of your drifting mindlessly under culture and to get you on the right path headed back to being influenced by God. To live under God, I'm gonna decide, pre-decide to do this or to stop doing this that's gonna get me a step going in the right direction under the influence of God. So before you decide what that is, if you're taking notes, there's a spot there that says, here's what my decision is, right? You can work on that today. I hope that you will. But before you decide, let me give you just, I kind of jotted down a few of the predetermined resolutions that I've made along the way in my life. I don't get this perfect. I'm not telling you that I've got it nailed down exactly, but I can tell you there's some mile markers in my life as I look back that were life-changing, and I didn't even realize that I was pre-deciding, if you will. But years ago, years ago now, when I gave my life to Christ, I grew up in church, but all I knew was some of the kids' stories, if you will, about the Bible. I certainly wasn't very familiar with God's word. And so I decided that every day I was going to start my day by opening up God's word. That if I wanted to be a follower of Christ, if I wanted to be obedient to the one that I just gave my life to as my Lord and Savior, that I couldn't do his work without knowing who he is, what he's about. I, needed, I knew that my lifestyle previous to that was not God honoring, so the only way I would know what is honoring to God was if I opened up his word. And so I made a decision to start my day every day opening up God's word and then praying because I needed to feed on his word. Listen, I know you well enough to know that most of you eat every day at least one meal, you drink something every day. Well, I just said, wow, if I want to be like him, I need to spend time with him. I need to feed on the bread of his word, right? Every single day. And so I predetermined that. Now, that's one thing. Another thing that my wife and I did pretty early into our 
Christian walk, if you will, is we decided that we were going to be tithers. We were going to, we understood that our money, we always thought our money was our money and we worked for it. And then when we started reading God's word and seeing what he had to say about it, it's like, wow, every good gift comes from God. That God wants to, me to put him first in my day, in my week, which is why worship is so important, but also in the finances that God blessed us with. That it's, a recogniz, it's, a, it's me recognizing that God is the one that provided that to me. And so when my wife and I decided that, we pre-decided that from this day forward, every time money comes into our hands or into our home, the first check we write goes back to the place where we're worshiping. The first 10%. We're not going to no longer give God a tip, which is what we did, or we're going to not give God the leftovers, right? We're going to be give him off the top the first fruits, recognizing that he's first in our life, and so we're going to honor him and worship him with the first 10% of every bit of income that comes into our life. We predetermined that. And so it's for years and years and years, it's never a discussion. Hey, can we afford it this week or whatever? No, he's the first check we write. We predetermined that. Church was another one for us. We learned early on that as followers of Christ, church isn't a place that you go, it's who you are. Listen, that's why I kind of tongue-in-cheek laugh when I hear people say, you know, the churches have been shut down all across. You cannot shut the church of Jesus Christ down because God doesn't live in a building. He lives in people. You can never shut the church down. And gracious goodness, man, I, we learned that so early on that we as the church, we exist for the world. God wants to use us to impact the world. You can't shut us down because we're out and about every day. We live in this world and so do you as followers of Christ. But let me tell you how that impacted us years ago when we made that decision. Sunday was never a discussion on Saturday night in the Winstead household, are we going to church tomorrow? And this was even before I was a pastor. We didn't say, oh yeah, are we going tomorrow? Are we gonna go to the park or whatever? We might go to the park, but it's gonna be after church. Why? Because we predetermined that God is number one, that we're going to start our week on a Sunday morning with worship. If we're on vacation, we would take our kids, we'd find a church, we'd go to church on Sunday morning. You say, man, you're weird. No, we predetermined that we're going to live under the mighty hand of God, that he's a priority. It wasn't a have to, it's a want to. So we predetermined, we predecided. Those are some of the things that I've done on my journey. And again, it doesn't mean I've got them all right. But you got to be intentional about where you're getting your influence from. One decision, what's yours? What is that one decision? Maybe it's time with God every day. That'd be a great one. Maybe it's you're going to stop doing something that you know is harmful. Maybe it's going to be about social media. Listen, when I wake up in the morning, I, I don't decide, I've already pre-decided I'm going to open up God's word. I'm going to open up my Bible app. I'm going to open up my Bible and I'm going to read. I'm not going to go to Facebook or social media or check my email or whatever. Um, I've already pre-decided. What is it for you? Is it time with God? Is it tithing to God? Is it relationships? Listen, you can have your relationships influenced by culture or by God. You can say, I'm going to date God's way or I'm going to date culture's way. I'm going to, when, when it comes to sex, I'm going to do it culture's way, which is just, hey, everybody's doing it. Or I'm going to realize, you know what? God says that's a gift that I created, but it's to be done in marriage, not in dating. What is it? You get to decide. 
Maybe for you as a parent, you're going to decide to pray with your kids every night before they go to bed. Every single night. Why? Because it's important. Why? Because you want your kids to understand we're a house that prays. We're a house that believes that we're under the mighty hand of God because we want to be, and we want it to be built into day in and day out activities. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that in due time he may lift you up. Ask God to reveal what's that thing? What do you start? What's the first step for you of predetermining, predeciding? What area of your life is that? I believe if you'll ask him, he'll reveal it to you. He'll tell you something. And again, you can't really pick wrongly. Just pick the one that you think will have the most impact every single day. You make that predecided choice. I'm going to do this. Can I just tell you, culture swims exactly opposite of everything God wants for us. Culture says, promote yourself. Culture says, it's all about you. If you're going to get anywhere, listen, you got to put yourself first. Oddly enough, God says, you want to be first, be last. Oddly enough, Jesus says, deny yourself. Consider others better than yourselves. How many of us do that? Culture says, consume, take it, accumulate it. Jesus says it's much more blessed to give than it is to receive. Do you see the opposites here? You and I every day get to decide by our choices, by our routines, by how we use our time, whether we're going to be influenced by culture or by God. Culture says what? Pursue things. Jesus says, pursue eternity. Culture says, hey, you deserve to be happy. Pursue happiness. Jesus says, pursue holiness. Complete opposites. So how do we do this? How do we live influenced by God in a culture that is anti-God? Well, we're going to start by asking him, what's one thing I need to change? What's one thing I can pre-decide on? Because God, what you say matters more to me than anything else. That I don't put my hope in who sits in the Oval Office. I put my hope in the one that sits on the throne. God, never, ever, ever will I be more loyal to anyone or any political party or any whatever more loyal than I am to you. The sovereign God who rules through righteous kings and unrighteous kings. The one that brings good and promises to bring good out of all good things. Who are we? We are followers of Jesus. We are ambassadors. We represent him. We are people of faith, and we are always, 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 as followers of Christ, to be under God. Under God. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray, and we ask through the power of your spirit that you will use us, God. As the world grows darker and darker, God, may our lights as believers shine brighter and brighter. God, may we do an honest assessment of where we're at on that scale of being influenced by culture or more influenced by you. And God, if we find ourselves in a place, quite honestly, that we're not real proud of, We're not going to beat ourselves up. We may wonder how we got there. 
but I pray we understand that the way we got there is drift over time. One day turned into two and turned into a week and turned into two weeks, two months, six months, six years of doing things, God, and following influences that weren't from you, but were from our culture. God, help us to understand we'll never by accident be more influenced by you. We make those choices every day when we decide what to tune into first, what to spend more time with. Culture, social medias, or your word. Worship of the one true God or the pursuit of fame and fortune and popularity and acceptance and all those things. God, show us the one thing that we need to pre-decide today. And whatever it is, God, give us the strength and the courage to be reminded of that in the morning. If we have to write it down, put it on something every day until we build the habit, God, help us to do that. And God, we thank you that you will guide our steps. And we thank you for getting our attention and for loving us in spite of where we might find ourselves. As you keep praying today, let me tell you, for some of you, you might say, holy cow, how ironic I tune in today. How ironic that that happened on November the 29th and here I am in December or January and I'm just stumbling on this. There's no accidents. But for some of you, can I just tell you that your first step is to place yourself, your life under the mighty hand of God. He wants to be your Lord. He wants to be your Savior. He so loved you, he sent his son to come to this earth to live but to die a horrible death on a cross to pay for your sins, to make it possible for you as a sinner to be in a perfect relationship with a holy God. Your sins separate you from God. But God so loved you, he allowed his son to die and to pay for your sins so you wouldn't have to. And he wants to adopt you into his family. And the way that you do that is you surrender. You surrender control of your life and you ask Jesus to come in and to be your Lord and your Savior. Listen, if you've never done that, today's your day. I believe that God had you tune in because the most important decision you need to make today if you've never trusted him with your life, is to surrender and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I want to be saved from my sin. I want to be forgiven. I want to be adopted. I want to receive from you the gift that I can't earn or deserve, the gift of eternal life that only comes through your son because you say there's one way to heaven and that way is a person and his name is Jesus. If that's you today, wherever you're tuning in from, in the quietness of your own heart, would you make this prayer, this decision to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord? Make this your prayer. Say, Jesus, I humble myself and I come asking you to save me. 
I recognize that I'm a sinner and that sin separates me from you. So today I'm asking for forgiveness. I turn from my sin and my self-ruled life and I surrender it to you. Jesus, save me. Forgive me. Put your spirit inside of me. And from this day forward, I am deciding, pre-deciding that you're my Savior, you're my Lord. I will follow you and live under the mighty hand of a loving, sovereign God. Thank you, I pray. And everybody typed, amen. Listen, if you gave your life to Jesus just then, would you type in the chat, I surrendered to Jesus? I surrendered to Jesus. Listen, we want to know that. We're so excited for you. This is a life-changing day, a historic day, an eternity-changing day for you. You can email our office, office at ilovemychurch.org. We'd love to share with you how do you build on that new relationship and uh, what are your next steps. So please do that.